welcome to Estradile Illusions. We have another political episode today, and I'm really excited. We have another congressional candidate here to talk with us. We have James Sellers, for, who is running to uh, flip California's 8th District Blue. We're certainly hoping for that. And uh, <laughs> as somebody who lived uh, near your district, but not covered by it, uh, when I was right. doing my master's up in Claremont, I'm certainly... Uh, Excited to see that particular part of California potentially flip. So, James, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the introduction. So, um, my name is James Ellers. I'm running for Congress in California's 8th District. So, uh, pretty much the high desert, like Victorville, Hesperia, Apple Valley, uh, all the way to the Nevada border and up to Bishop and Mammoth. So, it's a pretty big area geographically. Um, personally, so, so I'm born and raised in this area. I come from a working class family. Uh, I'm the fourth of six kids. So I know how it is to, to live in this area and go through the struggles that the people are dealing with. Um, and for that reason, um, I, I, a few months ago, I saw maybe not a few months, a couple months ago, I saw that, uh, Paul Cook, who is a current congressman, uh, is not going to run again for office. And it, it, it wasn't something that came to my head like, Hey, I'm going to run. <laughs> it was something where, um, again, I'm a normal guy. Uh, we moved back to this area about four months ago and, uh, for, for there's a death in the family. And upon moving back, it's just, it was so hard to get a job. And it's just, just for just any job. It's not even like I'm trying to find any, any very difficult one. It's just, um, there's about 450,000 people in the area, not very many jobs. So I was frustrated and I, I'm, uh, I'm a follower of Andrew Yang, as you know. Um, so his policies are very in depth. So when I went back and looked at the candidates that are already said, Hey, we're going to run for this congressional seat. I wasn't impressed at the time. There were five Republican candidates running and only one democratic candidate. And even the democratic candidate, their policies are, are, I mean, they're not detailed. So mostly out of frustration and, and that none of these people that are running to be our leader and to represent us, um, aren't really looking out for the people. They don't have policies. They don't, they haven't talked about, you know, what they're going to do for the people. That's the reason I decided to run. I got into the, the game a little late. Uh, I decided, I think it was October 21st, the day after my wife's birthday, I was like, I need to do this. So, um, yeah, so now I'm running for Congress in a, in an area that is, um, historically, um, conservative, historically Republican. And I think, I think it's, it's doable. We can definitely f flip this blue. So I'm excited. It's interesting, especially for California, which has plenty of, uh, plenty of red pockets, but, um, especially in 2018. And even before that, we saw that a lot of them were skewing blue. And right. then if you couple that with the, uh, fact that, Generally speaking, incumbents do, uh, I think, historically in the sort of pre-Trump era, uh, before sort of all the rules were thrown out, uh, incumbents stood, uh, generally speaking, upwards of 90 percent uh, chance at re-election. So to see uh, Paul Cook uh, not not run again uh, certainly really blows it wide open. My partner's family is actually uh, in, in your district. and uh, Awesome. I, yeah, I, I asked, I told her to ask around to kind of see, you know, what people thought of the guy and nobody really, I, I didn't get a lot of clear answers. I know that a lot of people right. don't, um, typically well, that, know. 
Oh, that, that's that's the one of the big issues with this area is most people are politically disengaged just completely. Like if you ask them who the current congressman is, they don't they don't know. And it's kind of sad because, I mean, the, the congressman should be in the communities talking to people, you know, trying to trying to figure out what are the issues and solving them. But he's not anywhere to be found. Um, so. And, and right now, looking at all the data, um it's it's been leaning more and more uh democratic more liberal every year uh right now it's about it's it's about a couple percent more are republican than democrat but there's also 24% of the the people are uh independent or you know not affiliated so that are registered to vote so looking at everything i mean that's again the reason why you talk to people and they're like i don't really know is because most people are just not engaged and it, it's pretty much like they've just given up on politicians, you know, in the area. So, which is sad. Yeah. And I think part of the problem uh, that we have now is uh, in the wake of uh, 2016, there were all these people who were registering to run and all that. And there was all this energy. And now if you look at the way that the uh, energy is sort of being channeled, um, I, I, I personally would love to see Trump impeached. I think what they're doing is is fundamentally important. But if you're going, especially places like your district where people are, are politically disengaged, that that's not necessarily the greatest uh, winning strategy when you're talking about uh, congressional districts, because you just turn on the news and all you see are the same. You know, the Intelligence Committee uh, has you know, just represents a couple dozen uh, uh, of the Congress people, as opposed to, you know, there's hundreds of you guys there and there's all this work that's being done. That that's not about that. But if all the people see on TV are these, uh, you know, same few people uh, talking about impeachment, they're probably not really realizing that there's all these other uh, Congress people who are actually w working on things, trying to get things through in all sorts of different other committees, which I, I be very frustrating as somebody who really wants to wants to see Trump out and then also for policies to be advanced later on. And it's just impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Um, I mean, looking at just looking, taking a step back and looking at the whole impeachment, I, I've been trying to listen to um, all, all of the the hearings and everything, but they're long. So I've been able to listen to all of them. But from everything I've heard, I mean, if you're looking at it, if you're trying to look at it from a non-biased standpoint, you know, not trying to look at it from either party, like it's pretty obvious that Trump and his administration has done what um, they're alleging he's done. The yep. issue is that, okay, it'll get through the house because, you know, they only need 51% to get through the house. And then to get through the Senate, they need two thirds, which, yeah, which he, exactly. So the frustrating part, is even if it's proven that they did these things, um, I don't know if that many, you know, GOP senators would vote to impeach him. So, and again, it's frustrating because, you know, there's obvious corruption. There's people doing these things. And for some reason, the system's built so that they could remain in office, even though they're doing these things. So it's, Either, either way, it, it's just he's too he he's not productive. He's not he's he's too polarizing um, to some of his his followers that are you know becoming radical and um, 
either either needs to be impeached or it needs to be taken out in voted out, not taken out in uh, in the next election. So I uh, wanted to clarify that. But um, so so that's where we are. And that's, you know, that's why I'm, I'm really trying to pay attention to, you know, the presidential election right now, which is also getting drowned out by the impeachment process, because we have some really good candidates, you know, that, that want to go up against Trump. Like if he if the impeachment process doesn't work, which, again, if you look if you just look at all all the evidence, everybody talking like it's pretty obvious that they did what they're alleging, but simply because they need two thirds vote in the Senate to have him removed from office, that's the hurdle I'm seeing right now. So we need to focus also focus on putting someone up that can beat him. So that's that's where my mentality is at. Yeah, I mean, I'm along the similar lines. This podcast uh, second episode. Uh, which launched with the first was uh, I, I did an in-depth look at impeachment. This was uh, we recorded it before the Mueller report came out and then the Mueller report came out before it was out. Okay. So we had to go back and yeah. uh, edit it. And I, I kind of said like, you know, this is Mueller found a lot of crimes and unfortunately like, we, we had to edit surprisingly little out. I said, really nothing's changed. This man could go and literally shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. I don't know if I could find you more than three or four Republicans who would really waffle on this. And I don't right. think that's really. And this was this was pre uh, Ukraine. And people have asked, are you going to do another one? Uh, I, I don't really I'm not really sure I want to do another episode on impeachment because it just seems like such a waste of time. But uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the other candidate candidates because last night. Uh, we had a debate, which it seems as though nobody really cared about it because of uh, impeachment. They weren't even really doing the typical. Um, I know, I know the uh, the uh, inquiry was going on so late that they didn't really have time to do their normal. Uh, MSNBC didn't have time to do its normal uh, pre-show pizzazz, but uh, it seemed as if it was like the most indifferent thing. I actually paused it. I had to go to uh, down the street for a. Uh, uh, yesterday was Transgender Day of Remembrance, so I went to. Uh, attend an uh, event for that, which was about an hour. And I came back and I was like, well, was there any news made? Nope. And I watched the rest of it. And uh, it seemed as though uh, it seems as though this this primary season, which is supposed to be the place where we have ideas that are presented right. as somebody who believes in uh, what a primary is supposed to be. It's not it's not a cage match for people to uh, hurl feces at each other on uh, on a debate sort of cage match style format, but rather for people to advance ideas, to acquire delegates uh, in support of those ideas, and then to go to a convention where a party platform is uh, shaped and it's shaped by everybody. It's not just shaped by the one, uh, the winner, although the winner obviously gets the most say uh, that's, that's really supposed to be the way it goes. And uh, I, I don't know about you. I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this, but, it just seems as though none of none of that was really uh, ha it has or uh, was on display yesterday. Yeah, it's the the current format they use for the debates is is frustrating. Um, and the other frustrating thing is that if any of the candidates go do any other debates, quote unquote debates that aren't official DNC debates, they'll be disqualified from the actual DNC debates. So they have to come to these formats and, and participate. So, um, as you know, I don't know, the audience probably doesn't know. I I'm a big supporter of Andrew Yang. Um, and <laughs> as you can probably tell, if you watch the debate, uh, Andrew Yang, it was a two hour debate 
and he got total time speaking was less than seven minutes. Um, and he, a, a poll just came out. I think it came out today. He's pulling uh, fifth. I think it's fifth nationwide. So it's not like he's he's at the end of the pack. I mean, there's ten people on the stage. He's pulling in the top half. Um, but just the format of, of the of the debates aren't giving everybody equal talking time. And a lot of the time gets gets eaten up, like you said, of people that are arguing back and forth with each other. Um, and none of the like they don't get to a ton of the important topics, which is frustrating. So again. A lot of the political mechanisms we use, like the, the debates, just the whole – it's frustrating because it's so outdated. <laughs> like you could easily have, I mean, more frequent debates with less of the candidates and talk about the policies in depth. And that's where um, my frustration comes in because from my point of view, obviously I'm, I'm a little biased, but Andrew Yang has – the most policies he's most the most in depth about his policies but getting under seven minutes of talking time on a subject that msnbc picks for you yeah i mean it's it's pretty hard to come out positively which i still think he did but it's, it's frustrating when everybody's arguing when we could be talking about things that are productive i think especially also for a candidate like andrew yang who uh is I think rather smartly known for uh, he he's really pitched uh, universal basic income UBI the freedom dividend as his signature thing and uh, you know looking back at at past uh, presidential nominees like uh, Hillary Clinton or Mitt Romney or even John McCain I think when you kind of try to straddle the middle and you don't have something that's that's really easily grasp graspable like uh, Obama ran on. Uh, Universe, uh, I guess he sort of did run on universal health care, but that transformed into Obamacare right. or uh, Trump and his imaginary wall. Um, however, you feel about those those policies, it does it helps to have something where you can point at the candidate and say, "Oh, I know him because or her because of that reason." And for Andrew Yang, who is often a guy who talks about. Uh, things that other candidates aren't talking about, like even um, he he had a policy. He wants to create a department of the attention economy, which right. I just read yep. uh, last week. Uh, I I think that's a really fascinating idea. Nobody else is is talking about how seemingly every person on this planet Earth is addicted to their phone. Right, and that and that's the thing. He's he, I mean he's bringing up things that nobody else is talking about, and that's similar to my my district, the congressional race, like. The issues we're facing, nobody was talking about. You know, it's most of the jobs out here, are retail jobs. Um, I don't know if you saw, but they announced that the Sears up here is going to close. The, the We already have empty places, you know, Toys R Us, Bed Bath Like we have so many large department stores that are empty right now. And the stock market's at an all-time record high. Like the economy is supposed to be doing great. And we're, we're dealing with all these issues and nobody's talking about it. Similar to Andrew Yang, he's, he's creating policies and things that are relevant, not only to the 21st century, but they're relevant to everyone. That's what I like. That's the other thing I like. He's, he's creating his policies and his talking points, not focused on one small demographic, uh, based on his political views. It's, it's based for everyone to make everyone's lives better. And again, getting less than seven minutes. Of talking time, not very many people are going to, you know, 
peak, get their interest peaked and look and look into them more and, and do that. And that's where the frustration frustration is on my side. So I'm curious, what what did you think? I mean, which candidates are catching your attention right now? Well, so from an ideological standpoint, I'm very closely aligned with uh, Bernie Sanders and right. as somebody who cares a lot about uh, LGBTQ yeah. issues, I've always appreciated uh, the fact that I'm a bit of a, uh, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton because it's, and as actually last week, uh, she said that, uh, uh, cisgender women have legitimate concerns about trans women. I said, really? look, it's, it, she's, it, it's been always fairly clear. She came out for gay marriage in 2013, which I've always viewed as, uh, a bit too late. Right. What I like about the way that, um, Andrew Yang and actually even on your own, um, uh, policy platform page uh, you included lgbtq issues in with uh your bid on uh bid on the family which really hits on uh something that i i talk about a lot which is that the idea that uh the, the idea of 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 talking about the family as an important uh aspect of american life is something that republicans kind of try to really latch on um you hear you hear uh you hear that a lot about uh, uh, faith as well, which is uh, not something I care about. But um, with regard to the family, uh, they say, oh, you know, I'm for the traditional family or all of that. And I kind of do a lot of eye rolls at that because uh, they're all supporting uh, a guy who's been married three times and is cheated on all his wives, uh, forgets that his youngest child, even his son, won't take pictures with his youngest daughter because he thinks she looks overweight. Um, you know, this is not a, a model family man. And meanwhile, I know, you know, living in Long Beach, a pretty gay city, I know plenty of gay people who have families uh, in the absolute traditional mold, two parents, kids, uh, and they're all doing great. And I say, you know, if, if you want to hurl some, uh, you want to say, oh, I, I don't like gay people because I'm for the traditional family. Well, Gay people aren't preventing anyone from having a traditional family. That's just all kind of ridiculous. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And that's the thing. I mean, everything you said was spot on. So just just a little context for my background and just, just my views in general. I was brought up in a very strict Christian family. So everything you just described about how they act, that's, that's how I was brought up. So the younger and the older I got, um, the more... <laughs> It was just like, why? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like there's in church, they're saying, Hey, love your neighbor and love everyone. You're not supposed to judge, blah, blah, blah. And then it's also has this really politically charged side to it where it's all the opposite of what the actual religious teachings are. And finally, I mean, as an adult, like I broke away from it, thankfully, um, just because there's so much negativity in that community and there's so much hate towards certain groups for things that don't even affect them at all, like you said. So the family, like that shouldn't be something that only one political party side should take. Like having a family being, being close to people, like that's a universal thing that everybody needs and it shouldn't be tied to, Hey, only if you share my certain beliefs should you be able to ha- have a happy life, have a family, like do these things. Like, and that's that's the thing. Growing up, I'm like, okay, why are we like 
being so gr- discriminatory towards certain groups when what they're doing has literally no effect on your life. Like, that's And that's my, my view just growing up. And it, it was really frustrating because, I mean, these people have these beliefs just because they've been passed down over generations. They're not based on their individual experiences. You know what I mean? Like most of the hate and everything in the country and the world right now is just based on um, ideas that have been passed down and, and from people not questioning what they're taught growing up. And my, like me personally, like I try to question everything just to, just to solidify and make sure I'm not going down the wrong direction or anything. That's, that's kind of how I've gotten here is I, you know, the different communities that, you know, like your community should be able to do whatever makes you happy and and what makes you fulfilled. There's no reason why one group should be putting another group down. Like it doesn't, it's, it's really frustrating. And this is, this is, again, this is another reason why I'm running for Congress because a lot of the candidates, especially, I mean, on the, excuse me, Republican side are very polarizing and they have these views that if you're an immigrant, you shouldn't be here. If you're in the LGBT, LGBTQ community, you shouldn't have a lot of, lot of know, letters. I'm, I'm trying to include everything. I'm trying to be <laughs> inclusive. And if you're in these, some people even had, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you're in these communities, you somehow shouldn't have as many rights as them just because they have these certain views. And it's really damaging. Like that's the thing. It's not. It's not productive in any way. It's literally just holding on to beliefs that are way. You know, they're they're old beliefs. They're not questioning their own views and they're not developing new ideas and that's something that we can't we can't have around here especially with i mean we just had that shooting in santa clarita it seems like there's another shooting every couple days and the way the rhetoric keeps going especially in this area there's so many people there's four hundred fifty thousand people in this fairly small area um everybody's struggling in some way shape or form and to have people struggling and also have the politicians trying to polarize everyone just so they can, you know, have some political gain. Like, sorry, sorry for my French, but it's bullshit. Like, and that's another reason why I'm, why I'm running because not only they're not talking about any of the problems that are actually affecting us. They're just trying to bring up problems that they can get some votes, get some donations on. And it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's something that it's going to come to an end like in, in America, but we need more people to get up and run against them that, you know, have more progressive views. And, and, you know, that's, that's another reason why I'm running because I'm, I'm frustrated with it. Yeah, I think so along, along those similar lines, uh, Andrew Yang brought up something about, he, he kind of talked about uh, the, the isolated uh, men who are increasingly committing uh, these shootings. And it, it kind of hits, home at, at at a sort of broader problem not even just related to uh this you know the fact that it's so normalized that we have all of these uh uh just catastrophic uh instances of gun violence that we've all, all becoming uh numb to but on a broader scale um like loneliness has a uh proven impact on people's uh 
not just mental, but literally physical health. And to, to go back to the people who are uh, so addicted to their phones, which also has a negative effect, um, our, our communities are, are not holding up to the, the sort of uh, burdens of, of all of this stuff. You know, it's and it goes beyond the people who, uh, you know, they always say, oh, nobody knows their next door neighbor. I mean, that's in a lot of cases really not the worst thing in the world. If you watch The Simpsons, I wouldn't want to be friends <laughs> right. with Flanders. Um, uh, but uh, the community, it, it, community as as an just part of American life is not something that people are talking about enough. And I mean, for people like me, I, I, I love that I can, I live in downtown Long Beach. I love that I can walk around and go to stores and know the people who work in them. I talk to them and, you know, there's, there's names to faces. And one thing that Andrew Yang does that I like is, uh, he points the finger at uh, Jeff Bezos, this really destructive figure in uh, American life. Now, last night's debate was uh, hosted by MSNBC, but also the Washington exactly. Post, which Jeff Jeff Bezos shouldn't be right. allowed to own. Um, it's it's preposterous that uh, we're not talking about this man who makes thousands of dollars in the time that it takes for me to finish this sentence. He's made thousands of dollars. And uh, he makes, you know, he's worth more money than you couldn't even he if he if he set about his goal in life was to spend all of his money, he would just make more of it in the in the time that he'd right. be spending it. It's 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 insane. And he's ruining he's ruining communities. And I, I am at you just you described the years closing these these massive buildings that we have are becoming uh, just their only use is uh, every Halloween. They put up one of those flyers. They sell Halloween costumes for a month and that's right. all they're used for. Yeah, it's true. And that's, that's the, one of the principles ideas of, of universal basic income is that the, the less fortunate get the advantages, advantages in society first. So before the rich get these tax cuts, we should first make sure that the poor, and the less fortunate are taken care of in some way, shape, or form first. So Amazon, for example, they, you know, trillion-dollar company, shutting down 30% of retail stores and malls within the next 40 or four years, and they didn't pay any taxes last year. How is that a thing? So what the universal basic income crowd is proposing is saying, Hey, these companies that are trillion dollar companies, the tech companies, all we're asking is that you pay your share in taxes. So like, for example, Amazon last year. So one of their subscription plans is $8 a month. That's more than the whole company paid in taxes last year. Doesn't make sense. But again, for some reason, the rich have a stranglehold on um, our leaders in Washington and they get things passed so that they're able to do these things. So the basic income movement is saying, Hey, pay your fair share. They're very good at avoiding taxes. So we'll do it through a value added tax that'll be implemented throughout their whole process. So anything they're doing is going to have this value added tax on it. Europe uses a value added tax of about 20%. In America, even if we did something half of that at 10%, it would pay for the universal basic income and then some. So we're saying 
these companies should be paying taxes. Technology is the new oil of the 21st century, and inequality is worse than it's ever been, especially in California. California has a homeless population higher than any other state. So, what we're saying is, hey, we have Facebook, Google, like all these companies in Silicon Valley, in California especially, these companies just just need to pay their fair share in taxes. The wealthy need to pay, pay their fair share. We're not saying the wealthy need to be poor. We're saying you just need to be a little less wealthy, which seems reasonable so that we exactly, used to do no, that. yeah if you if that, that's really like if you've looked at the tax rate over the last 50 years for the wealthy it is insane where it was and where it's gone to now like it's it's absolutely insane with uh rockefeller carnegie vanderbilt people said look you've made a lot of money you have too much of the market jeff bezos nobody wants to go to him and say look dude you can still live a, a happy life, send your dick pics if you uh, had uh, less of the market share, which you shouldn't have because now he's gotten his. Uh, it's it's just it, it's absurd and and it's not as if this is like a theoretical impact. It, it's it's astonishing that um, you talked about the homeless population. Uh, it, it seems as though it's worst of all in San Francisco, where all these companies call oh. home. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's the issue. Like if you're making this much money, if you're making, uh, creating this much abundance, we're not asking you to give up all your profits, all your money, just pay a small portion to the government so that we'll, we're able to take care of the people that are negatively affected by the inequality you're creating. We don't want to stop you from creating new technology and creating new things. It's just if you're creating inequality, you're responsible for helping people that it's negatively affecting. And again, pay your fair share and we'll take this money. Instead of giving it to the banks like they did in 2008, they gave the banks $4 trillion for creating a mess. Give it to the people. So you give everybody 18 and up $1,000 a month and use that as a baseline. Uh, so people can, you know, they're not tied to their their job if they don't like it. They're not, you know, subject to housing that it doesn't work for them. They're not, you know, they have more freedom to do what they want versus being oppressed and, you know, staying in bad situations or just being homeless, period, not being able to find a job in these things. So all we're saying is, hey, pay your fair share. We're just asking you to give up a little bit. We're not asking you to be poor, just be a little less rich so that we can get rid of poverty on a wide scale. And that's these are things, I mean, it's it's very well detailed, the policies for for universal basic income, and that's why so many people are jumping on board with it. It's not just like, hey, we should do this and we'll figure out how to do it later. It's, hey, the country needs this right now, and this is exactly how we're going to get there. So, and that's and that's one of the main things I'm running on for Congress because it, it makes sense. It'll solve a lot of the issues right away. And we need, I think as time goes on, we'll be, we'll have more people to support things like this. Um, right now it's, it, it's really a paradigm shift. So it's one of those things where it, it's something newer in the, in the, in the public eyes and they just have to get used to it over a while. Even though it's something that's been, talked about for a while. I mean, Stanford has a basic income lab where they do studies about this and they, they talk about it. I mean, that's all they do at Stanford. And, but in the public, it's something new. So it, I, I think it's moving in the right direction. I, I think so too. And I, 
just even from my own perspective, when uh, Andrew Yang first hit the scene, I, I heard it and I I kind of I had a I had a reaction that I think a lot of other people have had was was my sort of knee jerk reaction was this is something that is not going to, uh, you know, really buck the tide against automation and all of that. But if if you listen to the way he explains it, it's not really it's not really designed to do that. And it, it isn't supposed to be this end all be all solution. And the more I, I, I think that it is something that uh, is introduced and uh, takes takes time for people to process. But I mean, even from my own perspective, uh, gay marriage uh, polling on that five years ago was a hell of a lot different right. than it is today. We have a majority we didn't used to. And I think even um, the way that he's he's described, it's uh the the way it's applicable uh yesterday he was talking about uh childcare uh UBI could uh, especially in a in a two person household like I, I live with my partner um if we both were recipients of the right. uh, freedom dividend uh that, that would be more than more than our monthly rent uh which for a lot of people is really half exactly, their paycheck at least <laughs> and, yeah exactly and and it's 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 something, and this is kind of why I'm frustrated with uh, the way the media has portrayed uh, his entire candidacy, even though he's polling. Uh, there was a national poll today. He was only three points nationally behind uh, Mayor Pete, who I personally, even as a, a gay person, find insufferable. Agreed. Uh, and he's polling. Yeah, he's polling better than Amy Klobuchar, another one who I actually, you know, when the two of them duke it out, I'm sort of eye rolling like, OK, you want to call you want to call his rise sexist. I mean say what you will about him. He is the, the first gay man uh, to really uh, catch on in a national sense, which is good. I would just prefer if our first gay nominee was right. somebody better. Um, but uh, I, I, I look at, I look at the way he, he, Andrew Yang is able to articulate his policy in a way that, that does resonate. And I, I, I really, as for all the, for all the ways that I enjoy Bernie, uh, he, he's not, he's really talking about the same message that he's been talking about right. for 30 years. And the public, the public likes to be entertained. Andrew Yang's very entertaining and that's not meant to be uh, a knock against him. You have to, you have to capture the public's attention to uh, move forward. And the media, I think has been very unfair and almost kind of dishonest with, they, they portray him as a one trick pony, but that's really, that's not, not yeah, the story at exactly. all. Exactly. And, and, um, while you brought up Bernie, I, I really, I really like Bernie. And until I found Andrew Yang, I was just, I was all on board for Bernie. It's just, I, I wish his health was better. <laughs> like, I really don't want him to get into the presidency and then hit, have the stress hit him and then have another heart attack. Like, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's horrible that he didn't get the nomination last time when he should have. Um, I really like Bernie and, and it's just, Andrew Yang is, is thinking of everything. He, it's so in depth with it. He's so smart with everything. Like the more you look into it, the, the, the more amazed you are with everything. And to your point earlier, these news companies aren't really being fair to him because, you know, Jeff Bezos owns, you know, Washington post and I'm sure MSNBC. I mean, it's similar. It's the, the rich own the media. So if someone's proposing, Hey, come in and do something that's going to create more inequality. And, you know, they think that they're having their little share, taken away then they're going to be negative but um 
it's it's still moving forward. And one of Andrew Yang's goals last night was to be a little more personable. Because in last debates he's he's had good he's had good stats and everything, but you know it's it was a little more just just it wasn't as personable. So I think he he did that last night where he came across more personable, and he's he's uh, I'm happy with the progress. I'm just frustrated with the opposition that is being being purposely put in his way. Um, yeah, they leave they leave him off polls. Uh, the polls the polls are. After the 2016 election, I don't understand how these polling companies can still be allowed to run and be be considered um, be considered there. accurate in any way because they were so far off on every poll in 2016. Like, there's no way. This is something like how the hell? How do you start a polling company that because we can start one that's way more accurate versus these people calling landline phones for 500 people to you know what I mean? Like, it's so biased. Like. The one that oh, just yeah. came out in South Carolina. There's no way in hell Tom Steyer is at five percent in in South Carolina. Like, like actually, the, I, it's just super frustrating. So something I put on my Twitter is just like, just repeat after me: polls are tools for influence, not measurement. Like, don't get super frustrated when you see polls that are inaccurate because they're literally made to try to frustrate a group of people into not voting. You know what I mean? Like they're in 2016, they were a mess. So they don't really have much of a use value because, like, you don't you don't conduct a poll during a base uh, baseball game. Nobody gets points for winning after the third yeah. inning. Um, and we we have these. I'm a cable news junkie. I love sitting. <laughs> it's a horrible vice. I I don't I don't. Like that and uh, uh, sweet and low, the pink, the pink sugar are like the two <laughs> things I really need to get get rid of out of out of my life. But um, I sit there and they're talking. They, they open the segment. They're talking about polls, and it's just it's stupid. And just just a, a, a note on twenty sixteen, it was very obvious they were wrong if you just looked at, especially the battleground states, uh, all of pretty much all of which had right. uh, Senate races. Um, You'd have uh, like Marco Rubio would be pulling three points ahead of his opponent and Trump would be down six. It's like, OK, nobody's going to the poll and voting split ticket. It just doesn't really it doesn't happen all that often. So we can talk about the polls all we want. But really what people are uh, what, what matters are the ideas that are uh, driving people to the polls, why they why they want to go. You need to have an energetic person. And I look at. An anemic figure like Joe Biden, who just he he really looks confused and doesn't look like he doesn't want to be there. Uh, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to be there either. But I don't understand what he's doing up there. I don't think anybody on this planet Earth really thinks he can beat Trump. Right. And I look at at the way that Andrew Yang is talking about things. We have a very big feel. I think there's still 18 people. They want to talk about Bloomberg all the time. Who the hell cares if he gets in? He's not exactly. the anywhere. Um he's talking about things that these other people aren't talking about that, that should get talked about. I even, I think um, the way that the way that UBI could uh, change employment situation, which is really why I'm for Medicare for all. I don't want to talk about healthcare a little bit, um, but I, I know on your, uh, I know on your website, you talk about how um, Medicare for all could be uh, a bit disruptive uh, which which is true, and I think that 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 position alone is 
a fair uh, position to take as a way to uh, ease into it. But I hear people yesterday talking about there's 160 million people uh, out there who like their health care. You're you're campaigning for Congress right now. Do you do you walk? Do you do you campaign and hear people coming up to you just loving Aetna and Blue Cross Blue Shield and all of them? Nobody sings the praises of health care. I mean, when I when I had Kaiser, I, I really liked Kaiser. <laughs> Things like that. I mean, the the <laughs> idea. I mean, I'm, I'm all for Medicare for all and having it as an option for people um, that can't afford other options. Um, and it's kind of like if you look at like the po- the the mail services. So you have the post office, uh, which is more affordable, um, and then you have like UPS, FedEx that are that are more expensive. And if people want the higher services and pay for the higher services, cool, you could do that. But if you can't afford that. Then you use the post office. Um, similar thing, I, I, I feel for, for healthcare, um, just because it just blowing up the current insurance companies and everything. That's, that's a lot of people displaced for jobs and everything. I think keep the current insurance companies in place, but don't have it so they have a monopoly on, on this industry. Have it so that you can also have like, Hey, I don't want that super expensive you know, insurance, I'm going to go towards Medicare, have it available for those that want it. But if people have Kaiser, like we had Kaiser when we had, uh, my wife had both of our kids and it was awesome. Like in turn, like their, their services were awesome for that. And that's just my personal example of like a, a, a time when I really liked the medical insurance. Um, if you, have service you like cool you can keep it if not you can have medicare but either way you have an option right now it's just like you pay hundreds a month for insurance or you don't have anything and most people i feel like can't afford it i know it's really hard for me most most of the jobs like small jobs i get like it's it's hard to pay for everything and then on top of that pay for health care it's and it's frustrating that's so hard like especially with kids because you're just like if something happened, like if they if they were diagnosed with cancer or something with the current medical system built the way it is, like it, I can't even think about it. Like it's just not built for the people. It's built for profits. And that's the really the, the thing that's frustrating. And I think we need an option for people that if you can't afford the really high bills of, of medical coverage right now you need an option that you can actually afford it and have that available again i don't i don't know about just getting rid of all the insurance companies right now um and just replacing it with medicare i think that they can they can complement each other again kind of like the post office and like fedex and ups like kind of how that works but people need an option period like the the way it's right now it's it's bullshit and i think well Part of the problem that I also see is uh, healthcare right now is is too linked to one's employer, yeah. which leaves a lot of people in shitty jobs they don't want, uh, and literally for the healthcare. That's and it, or people are pursuing jobs for the sake of uh, healthcare. Like you know, if somebody wants to be a mailman because uh, or a mailwoman, I don't really <laughs> say that. Um, they. They, uh, because of the, the government benefit package and all of that, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I could get, but people are like, oh, this job has healthcare. 
I don't think that's really uh, a great entrepreneurial way. And I, I, the one the one thing I maybe agree with Mayor Pete on a little bit is is if uh, we introduce a, a Medicare option for the people who do want to want to buy in. And I guess Andrew Yang is 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 close, similar. Uh, he's probably closer to Bernie than Mayor Pete is, but uh, he, he is kind of in this uh, uh, area as well of. Um, you know, I think Medicare will eventually, if you introduce it to the masses, you can't find a, if you go to a 70 year old person and say, you're going to lose your Medicare, they'll go, they'll go find a, especially they're conservative, they'll go get their gun and they'll shoot you. Yeah. Um, people love that. Um, I get that there are people who, a lot of people fear uncertainty. Right. And uh, to blow up the market, I mean, the Obamacare rollout, I, I'll always be grateful to the listeners of the show know that I, I am grateful to Obamacare uh, for the pre-existing conditions, which is landmark. Um, my insurance paid. I had bottom surgery and uh, uh, facial feminization surgery last month. I didn't. Uh, my uh, health care insurance paid for pretty much all of it, which uh, I know a lot of trans people are not in that boat. And I know a lot of other people who have to do GoFundMes because they got cancer. And I look at that system and I say... Something's wrong here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's that's crazy. I mean, we're a developed, we're the only developed country that doesn't have healthcare for our people, which is crazy. I mean, same thing with, you know, don't call the ambulance, call an Uber. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy that that people have to go out of their way to avoid these medical costs. And yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, so that's something. I mean, we're we're moving in the right direction. We just need representation. That's gonna again have the people in mind versus profits or their sponsors or their don't, you know, their, their corporate donors, things like that. And it's, it's going in the right direction. It's just, it's just, um, it's, it's really important the next year, whoever we put in office that, that we put the people in that are going to look out for the people. Right. I mean, that's, that's my yeah. main concern. I mean, in, in my thing is like, I, I want us to get the presidential thing right before my campaign. <laughs> like I'm trying to make, like do more work with that and what I can, and then work on myself in the background. And, um, because the president can, can get more done, but, um, go ahead. Well, you need people in Congress to, uh, uh, support that. Like right now, the democratic caucus is, uh, uh, fractured on a lot of issues. Uh, Medicare being one of them, uh, UBI would certainly also be uh, one of those. So the president, I mean, I always say, you know, uh, going back to uh, Schoolhouse Rock, the I'm just a bill. Uh, I'm just a bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Washington doesn't doesn't function like that anymore. The, the Senate and the House don't really cooperate. We um, the idea of uh, Mitch McConnell has turned the Senate into a judiciary confirmation uh, department. You it's probably it's got to being a senator has got to be the greatest job in the world. Now you just go, you go in, you do your vote and then you go, go home and take a nap. Um, or right. if you're Ted Cruz, you go uh, have your Campbell's soup. He's got the 200 cans of um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's just ridiculous. And uh, that's, you need people in Congress to uh, support a legislative agenda that we're supposed to have those. I haven't seen it, it's been a long time since uh, Trump gets into office. They 
decide they're going to do repeal and replace. And there wasn't a legislative agenda behind that. They were trying to get rid of it through uh, budget reconciliation, which is a total joke. Right. Uh, they do tax reform also through budget re- reconciliation. So not really much of a legislative agenda there. And then, you know, we, we uh, at, at one point before 2018, we talked briefly about uh, doing something on immigration and that got blown up because Trump, uh, Sean Hannity was yelling at him during their nightly bedtime story. And then uh, that, that went away. We we're going to do a little thing on gun control for a bit. And then that went away. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous and uh, very, very unproductive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's frustrating period. Right. And that's, it's, that's, that's where I'm at. I mean, I'm at the point, like we need people in office that are going to help the rest of our people. We need people in office that are actually worried about, the future and making sure that the future for us, the future for the generations to come are going to have a better future than we have. Because right now, I mean, most people don't think that their kids are going to have a better, a better life than they currently have. And that's, that's something we can actually change. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just going to sit here. Profoundly sad. No, it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's something that we can actually change. The biggest, the biggest issue in this society is that, People feel hopeless. People feel like yep. all these things are happening to them by these big companies that, that that they can't do anything about it. The economy is doing these things, and, and you're just helpless. And that's why that's the reason why the the leading unnatural cause of death is suicide and overdose. It used to be car crashes. Right now, it's suicide and overdose. And for the first time in a hundred years, our lifespan actually went down. And what that yeah. what what that says to me is that people are blaming themselves for a lot of the things that are going on in their life when in reality it's systematic oppression. Like it, it's things just society is built in a way right now where it's really hard to be successful, like mentally or financially and just across all boards. And people are taking it out on themselves. Like period. And it's, it's to the point, like, like Andrew Yang talks about a lot about the people falling through the cracks. Like I would be in those cracks. I'd be like, if I, if I didn't have my wife and my kids, like I've been married, we got married early. We've been married for almost uh, 10 years and I'm, I'm 30. So like if, if, wow, if, I'm only 28. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's good. I mean, that's, if I didn't have that and I had the same, economic problems that I've been having. I'm I'm seeing the same things that I'm seeing. Like I would, you know, I don't know if I'd be around. I'm not saying I've had suicidal thoughts. I'm saying it's very easy for people to blame themselves for a lot of the problems that are happening versus saying, Hey, it's, it's this whole system and we have the ability to make a positive change. So I'm going that route. I'm saying, Hey, there are things in society that we need to change for the better. And if we change these things for the better, it'll improve life for everyone, not just one political party or the other. And that's the big thing with my district where I'm running in California district eight is that most of the people are saying, Hey, let's, you know, let's improve it for Republicans or let's, you know, it's, it's really frustrating that we can't just say, Hey, let's, let's improve it for everyone. (laughs) Right. Like it it doesn't, Shouldn't be a part of it. No, it's 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 bullshit. It's it's something that's it has to go. It has to end. It's not something that's that's sustainable. And 
it's only it's only people only act like that if they're like like radicalized like if they're if you're out on the street talking with people going to the stores meeting people just like you said you love to do go out and talk to people out on the street like we all get along perfectly fine it's when people get in these these radical political mindsets uh that things turn bad and it's it's like district in california historically very red very republican um and it's I watched a forum last night that two of the leading Republican candidates had. They had a forum in with the, the with the Republican, not the Republican, the Redlands Tea Party put it on, and they were speaking at this place. And the like, you could Google it. It, it happened November seventh, and the things they're talking about are kind of scary. Like literally. Like one of the guys that I consider less radical, he literally told the crowd that they need to be more radical. <laughs> like, I'm just like, this is, these are the leading options that we have right now is two people that are running on polarization that are telling people get out and vote and you need to be more radical so that your views support mine. It's insane. And we have, again, at the time that I run, I, I decided to run, there's um, five Republicans running, one other Democrat. And she's, it, it's frustrating because she's, her her main policies are just the environment. She doesn't go in depth on on anything that's going to help people. And her main thing with running is she's she's spending all her money she's raised on making a documentary about her running. Like she spent... 140,000 in in last quarter and most of it went to services for a documentary. I could do that for a lot. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, (laughs) if I had $140,000 to spend in a quarter, people would at least know my name. She spent $140,000 last quarter. Nobody knows, has heard her name. Like it's, it's crazy. So that's why I was like, all right, we have this one side doing this. We have, we have, a couple of people running liberal doing this, like we need a better option. Like we need someone that's not going to polarize everybody. That's going to work for everybody. And that's not running just to glorify myself and make a documentary about how I'm so great and how I'm running. Like that's, that's crazy that all that money's going into it. She spent like $40,000 on some media company last quarter alone. And on top of all the other stuff, like another five grand at the Apple store on her, <laughs> On her thing, it's just like it's so frustrating because it's not that complicated. Like it's really not no, that not. complicated. Like it, we sh- we we should be able to get more common sense people into our government. I don't know why it's so hard. So there was one other topic that I really wanted to get to uh, that is um, on your campaign website that I something I think about all the time. I I'm an entertainment writer. I cover uh, like everybody else. I cover. Uh, the streaming services, which I see kind of as as running in tangent with uh, with data, and you list uh, data as a property as a property right on your uh, website as as one of your your platforms. I think it's very important because there's the old adage that people say, uh, if you don't know who the product is, it's you. Um, That's good. No, yeah. And people, yeah, and uh, 
well, with something like personally, I like Facebook a lot for advertising because you can really uh, micro target. But on the receiving end of that, as as seeing that the, uh, Facebook is able to make so much money uh, off of that as uh, as somebody who who has their data, uh, I don't get anything from the fact that people can can use that right. with me. And I I see that as as parallel to uh, seemingly I like. If, for example, I don't know why Apple is in the streaming business. I don't. Their show is the Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon one is horrible. Is it? See, that, um, I, I completely agree. I'm like, why did Apple even coming out with a stream? Why did they even come out with a streaming service? There's like three shows, and that's it. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Well, I haven't had time to uh, do the rest of them because my my review schedule is typically well. It gets even more crowded when you. Uh, factor in the it takes a lot longer to do a tv show than a uh yeah. movie but um they want they want you to just be hooked on these you know it used to be it used to be you bought an itunes song or you went out you bought a dvd and then you owned that you owned that forever now they want you to own nothing to subscribe forever and then if you want to talk about that you do it on a social media service where your data is harnessed for uh, any company to uh, just bombard you with ads. And I get it. It's my phone. When I get calls, I don't even answer them. And sometimes I actually, people do want to get in touch yeah, with me. Same and here. I just like, I'm known like, or even uh, with the data, my email address, I, I get PR companies always pitch people to me. Sometimes they spam me so much. It's like, Hey, I, I'm not going to do business with you anymore because um, you're flooding my one uh, work email with all of this crap. And I, it, it's just abusive. And this is the way that this is the way that people conduct business now. And it's ridiculous. And I think that um, part of, I think why people like Andrew Yang is he points the finger at them and says, Hey, I'm going to come for you people. This is yeah, and it's something where it's very, it makes complete sense when you bring it up and you talk to people, but most people don't even think about that. It's like, just like you said, like, Hey, Facebook, Google, they're trillion dollar companies. Why are they trillion dollar companies? Where do they make, they make some money from advertising, but where do they actually make most of their money? Data. <laughs> and people are like, Oh, yeah, that's that's actually true. Like data's worth more than oil. So if you if if the listeners haven't watched the great hack on Netflix, it goes into Cambridge Analytica and how they partnered up with Facebook and got user data to manipulate the voting in 2016. It's crazy. And the thing is these companies are trillion dollar companies off of your data. And when's the last time you got a check for them using your data and making money off of it? So it ties back into, again, that's another thing like, hey, your data is your property, right? If they're using it for it, you should be getting something for it and then translate it back into universal basic income. There is, you know, we need to put a mechanism in place so that all of this abundance and wealth that these company tech companies are creating off of you mainly you should be getting a payout for it. And again, it makes sense when you talk about it, but most people aren't talking about it um, at all. And that's that's the issue is that we need to get out and talk to more people about it. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's something where our, our data is being exposed. It's just up for grabs for free, and we're just not making anything off of it. So um, it's the 21st century. We need to adjust our policies and everything for modern times. And data, personal data, is one of the big things right now. So we definitely need to get that right soon, or else it's just going to keep going. It's just just going to keep getting out of hand. Yeah, I, I, I guess what I also just like about about that, just the concept of of, of data and, and property rights with regard to that is it's with so much so much of and so much of uh, whether it's immigration or, or health care or unfortunately LGBTQ rights, it's you you take the issue and then there's the Republican stance and then there's the uh, Democratic stance and it it, it doesn't really work for our democracy because the way the Senate is built, uh, one side will always just be totally, um, will stiff arm the whole process, especially with immigration. And, uh, we're not going to get anywhere or, um, the equality act is, is never going to make it through the Senate. I always, uh, I don't really ask congressional candidates this, but, um, a question that I, I'm always, uh, telling people to ask in their own interviews is with senators is, are you going to do you support nuking the filibuster? No, then you're not really for the Equality Act because you're not ever going to get the Republican votes. If you say we have to pass this, you're going to have to nuke. You're going to have to torpedo the filibuster to get it passed. So are you for that or not? And it's just it's it's such a sign of systemic rot in our system that that's even really on the table because it it it, it shouldn't be this partisan. I look at data and you're somebody who's running in a uh, really red red district. It's it's hopefully it will go blue. But um, data, I look at that and I'm like, you know, is there really like, there's no, there's no size of the population. There may be politicians who are voting to protect Mark Zuckerberg, but I don't think there's any really part of the population who says, oh yeah, we really love that nobody's getting paid for this uh, for Facebook stealing all of our crap. Exactly, it's true. That's the thing. Like a lot of the things we're we're proposing is like it's common sense for everyone. I'm not just trying to appeal to to one side of the aisle or the other. Like these are things that are affecting everybody, um, mostly negatively. And you know, if you actually bring it up, and we need to solve it. Like it's not something that we need to just talk around debate. We just need to, you know, data as a property right makes complete sense. There shouldn't be. Any major oppositions other than, like you said, if they have a, um, a a company in their ear trying to influence them one way or another. Besides that, it should be pretty common sense. And this is like what we need to do moving forward. Like there's a lot of things we can solve that are pretty common sense and that, you know, will help the general population. And that's that's what we need to be doing is helping improve people's lives Um getting rid of inequality, getting rid of poverty and just moving this country in the right direction. Like we need to get rid of all the noise and have more poise. Like we just need to get it going the right way. And that's, we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're moving in the right way for sure. Yeah. I think the, uh, the radicalization and all of that needs to, uh, be toned down. And I, I, I say that like for just, I say that as somebody who casually reads Karl Marx in their in their time. I I like I like ph- philosophy. I like all of that. But uh, when it comes to politics and governing, 
you need to be able to uh, work with somebody towards a solution. And then that the, we can't, it, it's so depressing how, um, how people were talking about the same issues that we did in 2016. Uh, nothing's really, we've had four years of uh, just total nonsense from the Trump administration. People are running now to talk about what their cabinets are going to uh, do through executive. Fox spent eight years talking about o- Obama's love of executive order. That's now basically the only thing a president has to offer because the Congress is just this cesspool of, of just nonsense. And, uh, it's, it's, it's not good, but I, I really, I like your, uh, I like your approach to the way that, uh, uh, these problems can be addressed. And I think that, um, you know, I think if you get your message out there, you're gonna, uh, hopefully make some headway in your district. Yeah. And it's, um, the, I mean, one of the other reasons I'm running is because it's absolutely possible to win it. <laughs> like, it's looking at all the numbers, like I'm a huge data guy, looking at all the numbers, like, um, there's not really a clear front runner right now. The only front runners are the guys that I told you are talking about radicalizing people a little more. And they're not even very, very, like, they're just a little well known versus everybody else. So the thing with where I am, I need like I'm at the point where I think I have everything pretty much set up right now. I'm going to switch it to fundraising so that I could get signs up because the way it works here is people. Unfortunately, they don't really talk about issues much. I'm trying to as much as I can, um, but they don't have many like forums or debates or anything. It's literally just like, hey, let's uh, whoever puts up the most signs is going to win, which is crazy. Um, But again, it's a path that we could win. So I'm going to continue talking about policies and everything and getting in people's ears. And I also am going to attack it on the front of um, signage and actually being creative with it, trying to, I'm hoping to do stuff interactive, but targeting certain messages for certain areas and, and being smart about it. And it's, it's again, technically it's one of the redder, reddest states or, or districts in California, but I'm born and raised here. Like I know how everything works around here. And looking at it right now, the incumbent isn't running again. Yep. There are five Republicans running there. I think there's a total of three Democrats running now. Everybody in the primary is thrown into one pool and the top two that come out or get it. doesn't matter which party. Um, so Republicans splitting the votes five ways. Democrats only splitting it three ways. And then on top of that, if I could get enough signs out and everything, like it's completely possible. Like it's, it's very doable. So I'm excited. The more I look at the numbers and everything, the more I get excited. Um, I just need to <laughs> figure I'm, I'm doing this all basically grassroots. Um, I, I need to figure out gear it more towards fundraising now to get those signs up. But besides that, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm being optimistic and it, it all looks really good. So this is definitely something we could do. So. Well, it, you know, the Yang, I, I've been really impressed with the, with the Yang gang. Were you, were you at the convention in Long Beach? Yeah, I was, I was, I, I uh, okay. So I probably, uh, I probably walked by, I didn't go. I, um, I can't really, I, I tend to avoid, uh, for the, I guess, couple more weeks i'm recovering from a lot of surgery so i can't really uh i need to uh include a fair about a rest in my day and uh, i live uh very close to the convention center so my partner and i were uh just kind of uh 
walking around seeing uh, everybody. And I, I remarked at the amount of Andrew Yang supporters who were out there, uh, even, even in the evening when everybody was going home and uh, I was walking by and uh, they were still out in full force. And I took a picture that got retweeted by the campaign. Uh, awesome. Still, still getting liked. That's how I <laughs> actually uh, got, got connected with you. Oh, and um, I think the, the enthusiasm is uh, it's, it's important. We need people. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, regardless of what happens with the primary, whoever it's still really anyone's guess, but um, they need the uh, they need the ideas to get through. Anybody who feels defeated about what happened with with Bernie in 2016 just needs to look at the issues that we're talking about in 2020. Bernie Bernie lit a lit a fire. You know, um, I quote uh, in the the Dark Knight Rises, uh, uh, Bane was talking about how the the fire rises. It's true. I mean, not necessarily that he's a role he's not a very good role model but um i like being well, he was <laughs> very anti uh, anti-establishment occupy wall street all that yeah i guess he he's fairly like <laughs> um but it's important to uh to get ideas through and um you know if you harness the yang gang i uh think uh may- maybe some something uh something remarkable could happen yeah and that's um i mean the only reason i have i have uh I, I, I'm. I had a late start for the campaign, but I'm catching up very, very quickly. Um, largely in part of the Yang Gang. So, um, I mean, it's it's awesome group of people, uh, very smart group of people. I mean, just after MSNBC last night, it's just like, okay, we boycott their advertisers and work on starting our own news organization. Like, it's the ideas that come through are are awesome, and and it's. It's uh, if you haven't looked in Andrew before, just look at the policies. I'm not saying vote for him, but um, everything we're talking about, like I think that's going. Hopefully, that's how politics will be moving forward. Is like, hey, I have all these policies. This is how we're going to get it done. We're going to try to be bipartisan. We're not going to polarize, and we're going to try to get things done for everyone, not just just super polarized. So, I think I hope moving forward, that's that's a lot more how um politics is is done um versus all this hate and it's going the right direction i'm excited so i'm running for congress district 8 it's going the right way um if you want to check out my policies my website is jameselers.com that's james e l l a r s.com all the social media is linked in there too and i need to keep adding more policies um i'm trying to do way too much uh, by myself but um I'm excited, man. I mean, I'm excited about many, many things. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's going the right direction. I'm I'm really excited that you had me on. Well, thank you so much for coming, James. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Uh, I think you're a candidate who's well poised for a, a district like that. And I, if 2018 showed us anything, it's that uh, people who run local elections tend to, do well and um we uh we certainly wish you all the best we'll link to uh we'll link to your campaign website your twitter and uh anywhere else we can find you and uh really uh really great conversation thank you so much for coming on yeah absolutely thank you for having me and i'm i look forward to speaking with you more in the future and to uh you the listener thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time